Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission to help you focus on Christ. You know, one of the things that I love about Jack is uh, he's got some great stories. You know, <laughs> um, when I first met Jack years ago uh, with my friend J.D. Miller, uh, he was he was just this funny guy that had lots of great stories because they had traveled together and they'd been all different places in the world. And, and I love that. So today uh, we're going to talk about a, a few stories um, and I'm going to read you this, these verses from Mark chapter nine first to just kind of set the stage for it. Um, Mark chapter 9, verse 38 through 41, if you want to look at that. Um, Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. (laughs) Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Um, so, Jack, well, I, tell us that story. I, well, I tell you, there's several, <laughs> several stories. Um, one of the things that I would recommend to any of you that uh, are Christians or belong to a church somewhere is to, to go on a short-term mission trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, short-term mission trip means it doesn't mean you're necessarily called to a life of mission somewhere like Haiti or Honduras or, or Africa, but it means that you can go perhaps to a mission field and you can experience um, uh, firsthand God working in amazing, marvelous ways. Uh, and also it'll just change your life, uh, your perspective on, on material things and, uh, all of that will change. Uh, so I've got several stories that actually happened to me sure. on the mission field. And uh, some of them maybe are a little hard to believe. But uh, once again, you have to have faith. And I think that sometimes God works different ways in different places. But one of the things that um, you remind me of, and you can tell your story, but we have a shoe story. Uh, we both have a shoe story from different perspectives. Uh, my shoe story happened in Haiti. Uh, I'd actually gone on a, a mission trip to the country of Haiti. We were in Goshenal, which is in the mountains, uh, way up uh, about seven hours drive from Port-au-Prince, which would have been about a 30-minute drive if you'd been <laughs> on American roads, but in the bus going up a mountain on rocks this big, thinking I was going to die at any I'm moment. Sure. <laughs> we eventually got to this little city up on the top of a mountain called Goshenal. And there was no clinic, there was no school, there was no, no church building. So we built all three. One building, but they kind of tripled as a sure. clinic when they needed it, as a school, and as a church building. So it was kind of cool. But uh, some of these Haitian people were helping us, uh, like these little kids would uh, go down with their buckets and they would get water and we'd mix cement uh, for the floor or whatever. And they just hung around us. They were delightful children. Uh, because, by the way, aside, children all over the world just want to play. Yeah, they're they're really the same. Uh, they just want to play and they want to laugh and they want to have fun. And uh, I would try to have fun and play with the kids and swing them around and just kind of do things. So at the end of the week, after um, working all week uh, <laughs> with our hands, at one point I actually worked on a rock pile. 
we had to make some um, gravel to put into the cement to mix for the floor because we ran out of gravel. And we were taking a hammer and big rocks, and I was sitting on a rock pile breaking rocks from big rocks to small rocks to use as gravel and also hammering my fingers black and blue and bloody. Uh, but we did it. And uh, anyway, at the end of it, these little kids with just their shorts, that's all they would, these little boys wear. And I looked at this little boy and I just asked him if he wanted my tennis shoes. Now, my tennis shoes, no kid in America would have wanted those tennis shoes. They were, I don't know, Keds or something. They were red and um, had a couple of holes in the top where my toes had worked their way out of the shoe. But they probably that, smelled good. They though. smelled great. But, <laughs> but uh, that little boy was so pleased to just get that pair of tennis shoes. And it just humbled me to where what I wound up doing, no, no kudos to me at all, uh, but just getting my suitcase and giving all of my clothes away except the clothes that I was wearing because the next day we were going back uh, to America. So I wound up giving my shoes, my red shoes, and then all of the clothes that I had. And by the way, I'm a big old guy, and all those, the Haitian people were kind of small, frail people, didn't eat as much as I did, obviously. And they just hung, draped on them, but they were thrilled to have a new shirt or yeah. a new pair of pants or a new pair of shoes. And uh, that just really changed my life uh, to see uh, that we need to be grateful for what we have and what God has blessed us with. And we need to be generous and give to those who have not. And God can use little things, you know, to touch people's lives. Um, I have a similar story. Um, my wife uh, had never been on uh, a mission trip before. Um, honestly, had never. Well, she'd been out of the country a few times, but um, it was a it was a big deal, and um, she was kind of terrified. Uh, I think about going to Haiti, um, and this was um, it was a few years ago. I believe it was. Uh, either 2018, 2019, but there had been some protests over fuel prices and, um, you know, some cars had been set on fire and streets had been blocked and, and stuff like that. And, uh, things had been a little rough and, you know, they're waiting to see if it was going to be like safe for us to go down there. Even I remember my mother-in-law, um, said, um, is it going to be safe for you guys to go? because she didn't really want us to go on this trip. And um, I just, <laughs> I, I looked at her and I said, um, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> and, but so, so we go. And, and so my wife is into this whole thing with great trepidation, but it, it was a life-changing um, experience for her because she'd never experienced anything like it before. And one of the things that's so great about doing this kind of stuff is you meet some people that um, you, you will just give you perspective and uh, will become part of your heart. We met this young man named Jackie and Jackie was probably about maybe 20. Um, he had grown up in Grand Guave um, or that area around there, which uh, is the little village that we went to in Haiti. And um, 
Jackie had no home. Uh, he had no place to live and um, wasn't sure if he uh, believed really in God, but he had just started praying to God um, that God would give him a house. And, um, and through Lifeline Christian Mission, I mean, that happened. They built a home for him. And so he has a house. Well, he's, he's so grateful for his house, he decides to uh, you know, basically have church there. And um, he doesn't have enough room in his house for all the people that come. And, and so he, he sets up like little homemade pews basically outside his house. And, uh, you know, it fills an area about uh, twice the size of the room that we're in. And he, he'd pack 150 kids or something in there and he's got he's got a little sound system and and he, he was having like a vacation bible school type thing um in the afternoon evening uh, while we we're down there and so we go out and 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 see him and and uh of course it's all it's all in haitian creole uh most of it except he had i think a couple of us come up and sing or whatever um and we might have had an interpreter but it was really more about him and watching the kids and and a great experience. So then, um, a couple days later, we see him at the school there at the mission, and um, find out well, he's he's the janitor there. That's his job, and it's it's part time, and it's his only job. And so his his only income is you know what he gets for working at the the mission, um, and he's got no shoes on. And my wife looks down, and and he's he's just you know barefooted, and uh, of course that doesn't seem to phase him. He's got his big smile on. He's happy to see us, and uh, he, he's this little Haitian guy. And my wife is about the the same height as he is, and and uh, she she looks at his feet. She she looks down at her feet, <laughs> and she's wearing these really nice. They, these are not throwaway red sneakers. No, no. Okay, she's wearing these really nice hiking shoes that she had bought. Um, so that she could feel sure-footed um, and you know have comfortable feet when she's. And you're saying her sacrifice around. was greater than her mine. sacrifice was <laughs> greater than Jack's. You know, it's not getting rid of stinky, holy shoes. You know, these are the real deal. You know, <laughs> anyway. So anyway, she holds her foot up next to his, and, and she says, "You need some shoes." And. Um, would you like to try these? And of course, he's like almost backing up, like, hey, you know, I don't want to take your shoes. And she's got them off and she said, here, put these on. And he puts them on and his smile just, you know, stretches across the room. And, and she, he says, but now you don't have any shoes. And she, well, our room is, you know, a two minute walk, maybe at the most. And she said, I've got other shoes in my room. You take those. But it was just that little, yeah. gesture, you know, um, and, uh, I, that could have been the whole trip for me. Yeah. Just, just that interchange and, and seeing how that worked in him and the, and the amazing things that this young man was doing, um, because he had had a little bit of faith and had prayed to a God he wasn't even sure about that he'd have a home. I was in India on a short term mission trip and, um, with Reggie Thomas, and uh, we were part of the singing team that would attract people to a big, um, like a big uh, preaching, singing thing. People would come from everywhere because they don't have the TV or the entertainment when they see a 
bunch of big white people over there singing as curiosity, and they would come over. And, and but there was this one 13 year old girl. Now let me let me give you this story. The situation is is that we are in an area of India that was a matriarchal system. In other words, all of the um, property and all of the funds, everything went through the female side of the family and not the male side that most places are patriarchal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this young lady uh, was going to get basically whatever her family had, that would be what was passed down. And then she would find a husband based on her possessions. And uh, she came forward one evening after the preaching service and she said, I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior and be baptized. And so we said, well, we're going to have to contact your parents because you're underage. She was 12 years old, I think. And uh, so we ha we'll have to do that. And he said, well, they won't let me. They won't let me do this, but I want to do this. He said, well, we still have to contact your parents because you're, you know, you're underage and you're under their care. And so we called them. And sure enough, not only would they not let her make this statement of faith and be baptized, but they were livid. They were angry that we had been teaching her these things, which goes against the Hindu faith or whatever. And so we went back to the little girl and said, we can't do this. And she broke out in tears and she said, no, this is my decision to accept Jesus. I want to be baptized, but you'll lose everything. Your whole life will be hard and different. And this young lady made the decision to go against her parents to accept Christ, confess him as her Lord, and be baptized that very evening into the Lord. And her choice was basically to give up everything so that she might receive even more from her Savior. That's kind of different to me. For most people, when they get to the situation of, will you do this? Will you confess Christ, repent, and be baptized? Well, do I have to? Well, no, you get to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you get to do this. Uh, well, I don't think, I, and we get all these excuses, but we see this young lady who, in spite of unbelievable probabilities of a cost to her, she was willing to pay the full cost mm -hmm. and give everything to receive Christ. What a blessing to see kids like that. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, you know, you, this is one of the things I love, but this has taken me down a different trail. Um, the um, the song we used to sing is like a decision song, especially at church camp, you know. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And then it would say, you know, no turning back, no turning back, no turning back. Um, and though none go with me, still I will follow yeah. uh, the world behind me, the cross before me. That song came from that culture. Hmm. Okay. It was a young Hindu man who gave up everything. Right. Um, because for some in that culture, the parents will even go so far as to put an obituary. Right. You know? they, they will have your funeral. Yeah. Um, dead you them. are dead to them. And uh, yeah, what an amazing, amazing thing. The decision is, I give my all Yeah. for him. It's just, and that's what we need to be doing. We need right. to have that kind of faith, I think. 
to be able to commit our own. We give our all, and sometimes um, we ju- it's just the little things that we give, too. I'm going to leave you with one last little story. Um, after not, not the recent earthquake, but the one about 10 years ago uh, in Haiti, um, I was asked to go down, um, and it was actually Reggie Thomas's mission that they had. Whitefield Evangelism. Yeah, Whitefield Evangelism. They had a, a, a children's home that uh, they had no communication with, and they wanted to, uh, you know, get somebody on the ground down there, and um, they wanted to send a doctor and a medical team in case they needed stuff like that. Um, and they were scrambling, trying to figure out a way to do it and so forth. Um, well, anyway, so we go down there, and. Um, Turned out the children's home wasn't even affected by it. They, their communications were knocked out, but they weren't affected by it. So they had us doing some different things while we were down there. And um, our last full day that we had there, um, we had done some some tent clinics and things like that. But we went to this hospital because we had a lot of leftover equipment, IV fluids and um, antibiotics and IV starter kits and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and you were there for, you know, whatever the Air Force told you, you know, you're going to land at this time, you're going to take off at this time, whatever. So um, we were going to be flying out like that night at, well, we didn't know for sure right. when, but turned out being like midnight or one o'clock in the morning. But um, so we go to this hospital and um, we're essentially uh, just working in the ER, taking care of uh, minor things that came in, like lacerations and um, dehydration, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and it was a whole elaborate setup. It was amazing. I, I'm not going to go into all the detail, um, but this guy that ran a bunch of pizza restaurants in the U.S. had sort of taken over the hospital and became their administrator, and, and he had that place running like a machine. It was amazing. But anyhow, um, there was this one little boy that was there, and he's there because um, his little brother had been injured by some rubble that had fallen and had to have surgery. And and um, and so he's in this little crib over here next to the emergency room, and the mom and dad are there, and this little boy... <laughs> He's he's just kind of on his own, and he's checking out everything that we're doing. And, and uh, um, my nurse had gone with me, and uh, and we had an interpreter there that was with us, and a couple other doctors had gone down with us, and and uh, a respiratory therapist, and so this little guy, he's like giving her high fives, and and they're playing, and he, you know, somebody had given him like a little Snoopy toy or whatever, and and you got to consider. This is Haiti, and it's like 95 degrees and, you know, really humid. And so we're dripping sweat constantly. I mean, it's like, we look terrible. Um, Probably smelled bad. Yeah, probably. Exactly. (laughs) And what I had taken everything I thought I'd need with me, you know, pretty much. And so I had these water bottles in my backpack and stuff. And we sit down to take a break. And um, I'm drinking uh, a water bottle. And... uh, my nurse says, he's looking at your water bottle. And I look at this little boy and it's like, you know, this cheery little kid that's been, you know, high-fiving and playing and doing this stuff. He's, he's looking at, at that water bottle 
very intent. And um, I, it just it it just hit me. He's he's thirsty. Hmm. He's thirsty. And so I get in my bag and I get I get out a, a water bottle and I give it to him. I got a picture of this and I'll share it on the maybe on our website or Facebook or something. Anyway, this little guy takes that bottle and he's sucking that water so hard that the bottle just collapses. Okay, I mean it just collapses. Um, and then that verse that we just read clicked with me. As I'm watching him drink that, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Um, and, and that little guy in that moment just completely stole my heart. The story didn't quite stop there because, you know, we had some, like, I don't know, protein bars and snacks and stuff like that. And, and so um, my nurse gives him... A, a little bar that she's got and he takes off. I'm like, well, where's he going? And that, that's when we figured out where his parents were and, the, and his brother. He went over immediately and shared that Shame. food yeah. with uh, his, his mom, mom and dad. Yeah. And he had, he got, he got one little bite of that and gave the rest of them. So of course we gave him some more um, because it's like, wow, who knows when they, eight last, you know, or where they're getting their food. And, um, you know, so you leave some water bottles with them and, and that kind of thing. But um, back to what you said, Jack, about going on a, a short-term mission trip, um, those are the kind of things that that really get you and touch your heart. And then yeah. uh, you just you just wish you could change everything for them. Well, just because you said that, let me say that yesterday I was working a little bit out in the yard and uh, I was going to walk to the mailbox to get the mail out. And I stopped by the refrigerator and grabbed a bottle of water out of the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And just that time, the FedEx guy was driving down the road and I reached out and I did that with a bottle. And he, he pulled over, rolled down the window and said, hey, brother, you want a nice cold bottle of water in Jesus name? And mm-hmm. he said, absolutely. Thank you. And he did. said, have a nice day. And just gave. I think that giving somebody a cup of water in Jesus name is uh, what we're called to, whether that's yeah. in Haiti or Africa yeah, or in your own neighborhood. Absolutely. And I would encourage everyone to just be that kind of person. Uh, that you're ready to give and yeah. ready to share with you. Yeah. I think that's a great place to end it. You know, be that kind of person. Um, you know, give of yourself because think of what Jesus has given to us. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, you know, always remember you can connect with us at connect and Jack, at jackandjohnpodcast.com. Um, don't be afraid to share us with your friends. Um, We love you guys. Thank you. God bless.